Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Welcome back to another exciting edition of the Pointless Exercise Podcast. It's time to remember this crap with Mike Donahue. And Mike, tonight we're going to talk about the New England Patriots. Have uh, Do you remember... Can you list all of the teams the Bears have beaten in the Super Bowl? Uh, give me a minute. Uh, I believe I... Hazard a guess, but I don't want to really embarrass myself. So, number one, I'll refrain. The New England Patriots. <laughs> End of list. But um, ha! It's always fond memories whenever we, whenever the Bears play the Patriots, and you can picture Tony Eason being crumpled up into a ball, and Steve Grogan with that weird neck brace coming in and getting crumpled into a ball. And Gotta Walter, be Walter Payton fumbling. <laughs> Giving them the only right. points they do you think they would do you think they would have shut them out had Walter not only fumbled the, and given them the easy field goal early in the game? Like like would they be more inclined to prevent the late garbage touchdown from Steve Grogan to Stanley Morgan? Uh which would make it like at that point, I don't know, forty thirty nine to ten. But uh maybe. I mean, you know, that's that is how the Super Bowl started. Bears get the ball and sweetness fumbles in deep in their own territory and the defense punches the Patriots in the face three times and they kick a field goal and then that was the only lead that they had. They scored a touchdown when it was like 37 to whatever, but yeah, maybe. Don't you think though that if um... (laughs) don't you think though that if they got to the fourth quarter of the Super Bowl and hadn't given up any points, considering they hadn't given up any points in the playoffs. 
that they would have said, fuck it, nobody's scoring. Right. I think they were willing to maybe show a little bit of uh, graciousness to, like, at that point, Grogan was not even the starting quarterback, an old veteran. Like, you know, Stanley Morgan was uh, a veteran. I just think, yeah, all right. Well, we already got the cheap three. Score a fucking touchdown, whatever. We've been clowning you all day. Yeah, it's I just, funny. To, I just think sorry, the 85 no. Bears were were petty in a good way. And mm-hmm. that they would like that would have been a big deal. Like the stars wouldn't even want to have left the field. Like, like nope. Not with not, not on Buddy's last day. Sorry, Reggie office. Phillips. You don't get to play. Get your oh, session for a touchdown. Well, Henry Wagner would have got his safety. Yeah. Or Jim Morrissey, whose number would be retired a few years after the Super Bowl. Uh returning a, a, a returning an interception and getting tackled at the at the one yard line. But the the interesting thing is I, I, it's funny. It's funny that you started the Super Bowl because that is the nexus of such a uh, such a touchstone. But you know, I would say if you're under thirty, um, it's got to be kind of odd to hear us talk about the Patriots like that. And then, of course, similarly, if you're, um, you know, I mean, if, if you don't remember '85, I, I just it blows me away. If you hit me over the head after the Super Bowl, right on the night of January 26, 1986, and woke me up today and told me that after that Super Bowl, that however many years later, how, how long has it been? Oh, 37 years. 37 years. That yeah, 37 years. That that weird, like overachieving franchise that had had very, very little success, which we'll get into, of course, because we like to, you know, really take the long view here, historically speaking. But that franchise that found themselves in a Super Bowl, they were not part of any sort of a standard bearer of the AFC back then. They, uh, by happenstance and much to their tragedy, happened to find themselves on the biggest stage against one of the most uh, dominant and uh, with all of the momentum of, of the, in the world, it seemed at that point in time, it was just absolute Christians being fed to the Romans. And, and, and even for the next 10 years after the Super Bowl, when the Bears would still be a annual, uh, you know, a competitor for the elite, Patriots went right back. In fact, they sunk to levels of ignominy, which we'll also get into in the late 80s and early 90s. And to think that and then at some point thereafter, um, it completely turned. And if you hit me on the head and just said that uh, the Bears would not have won another Super Bowl and the and they would be one of the 10 franchises that you probably laugh at uh, while the Patriots are the gold standard uh, in the NFL, they're the New York Yankees, um, I would have laughed maniacally if you told me that in January of 1986. So do you think George McCaskey would – how, how badly do you think he wants to win a Super Bowl? Do you think he would uh, he would f- postpone his flight to an NFC Championship game to go to Orchids of Asia and get a, and get a massage like Robert Kraft? If you told him that that would be the that that would set up a, an overtime winner that'll send you to the Super Bowl, I don't think you could find a more stark study in contrast between. Oh, you could maybe Jerry Jones and and, and the McCaskies, but. Between Robert Kraft and Smithskins, so sure, why not? <laughs> maybe, maybe, hell, maybe George has popped into Heavenly Bodies over at the corner of Alpert and uh, to it. Um, I don't know. I can't answer that, Andy. It's a good question. All right. So we mentioned uh, the great Bob Kraft 
who uh, just got married again. In a few uh, yeah. yeah, big news. Very topical. Yeah. He's like 19, so that's great. I'm sure it's, I'm sure it's love. All right, so last week we discussed Jack Kent Cook and his young bride, and now there's Bobby Kraft. It is funny, though, right? So, like, his wife, was it Myra? Was, like, kind of like the, the first lady of Boston and because of all the success, and she was very charitable, and everybody loved her, and he loved her, and then she died, and then he immediately just started dating, like, 20-year-olds. Right, <laughs> just letting it hang out. <laughs> Doesn't even care. Embarrassing his kids, probably. I'm sure he had kids. If he did, I'm sure they're like, oh, Jesus. So they were originally owned by the Sullivan family. Because if you're in Boston or the, you know, they were in Boston at the beginning. Proper. Uh, Just second week in a row, we're discussing a franchise whose roots belong in Beantown. They were owned by Robert, uh, no, Billy Sullivan. Billy Billy Sullivan. Um, Of course. What more of a Boston Irish sort of a name can you get? I don't know if it's Billy. Isn't it one of Billy's kids? Isn't there the famous shot of Matt Millen punching him in the face after a playoff game? I I was waiting if you're going to spring it on me, but it was the very first (laughs) thing I think about, literally. And I revisited this on the internet a couple years ago is Google it, kids. Uh, And this actually ties back to 85, so relevant. Pat Sullivan, I believe, was the third generation sort of owner. I think he was the GM. I think this is one of these families that actually... I don't know if they were much of a football playing family. They we knew they were rich. They owned an AFL franchise, and I feel like this one of these soldiers was like a GM. He wasn't just like you know uh, part of the family. Uh, but in '85, this is after his team won. They stunned the Raiders, and this, this in some effect leads to the Super Bowl twenty. Uh, upset the the erstwhile uh, perennially. This is kind of what I referred to also, where the Ra- the Patriots were not an annual presence for the AFL elite. The Raiders were, uh, and somehow uh, the fluky Raiders uh, upset, or I'm sorry, the fluky Patriots upset the Raiders in a playoff game. And after the game, total like I feel like in my head, Crane Kenny doppelganger. Yeah, he looks just like him. I'm looking at a picture of him right now. Pat Sullivan uh, caught up in the exuberance of the moment and decides it's a good idea to fucking talk shit to a future Hall of Fame linebacker, fully pad-wearing Matt Millen, and, uh, and, and paid a very hilarious consequence. <laughs> That's it. He really does it's look some, like Crane. The, there's some intrepid photographer that really sh- got jobbed out of a fucking Nobel prize for a photograph that uh, easy to find. It, it only took you a few seconds. Pat said, that, <laughs> Pat said Millen hit him with his helmet, but we're looking at the picture and it's just finished just swinging and it's all fist. His helmet's in the other that, hand. That that allegation deserves another punch to the face. Can you imagine Matt Millen going, that motherfucker thinks I had to hit him with my helmet? <laughs> wow. Yeah, so... There's your Sullivan family. Yeah, he apparently was. Did you say he's trash talking Howie Long? Okay, so now he, so, okay, so Millen apparently got tired of it and said, "All right, I'll take care of it," and he did. Howie, too much of a gentleman. Uh, even though I think we established earlier that Howie told Kurt Becker the year before in '84 that he was going to beat him up in front of his family after the game. <laughs> that is a great so, insult. It is a different time. Different time, folks. The owner's son's getting punched and you know, 
Now, a rare, a rare, you know, comes back to 85. Of course, for the up until that point, that was the apex for the Raiders. It was not for the Patriots. It was not the apex for the Bears. It was simply the return to what we at that point still, even after a wobbly two decades, kind of felt was our birthright, right, in 85. But the Patriots themselves, look at their history prior to 85. It's futile. Oddly enough, and we stumbled across this. I just doing my half-assed uh, last-minute back-of-the-envelope football reference research before this. Saw, and I remember that you brought this up in a previous Remember This Crap. The Patriots did uh, arrive in the AFL championship game in 1963, the same year that the Bears uh, had, uh, had won for the last time under George Hallis uh, and hilariously lost in that game 51 to 10, meaning that in Super Bowl 20, uh, when the Bears yeah. humiliated them in front of millions of viewers, that was not even their worst loss in a uh, league championship game. But after 63, the Patriots, I think, were only in the playoffs, what, three or four times until 85. So really, really a, a nondescript do nothing franchise. And then they got humiliated by the Bears. You said there are four owners, huh? Four owners, yeah. The yeah, Sullivans were the first one. So during the uh, during the Sullivan era, um, they were mostly bad for a while. And in 1976, they um, went 11 and three, and uh, they, including a win over the Raiders, they beat the Raiders 48 to 17. They rematched in the AFC first round of the AFC playoffs in Oakland, uh, and there was a controversial penalty. In the game, there was a uh, roughing the passer penalty on the great Sugar Bear Hamilton. Uh, oh, that people did not think was a um, was was an actual penalty, uh, and so that was um, the uh, Pats always felt like they got screwed. Yeah, just justifiably because. I- that's, I didn't know you made a reference offline about Sugar Bear, and I had no idea who yeah. if he was well, even a real character, Sugar Bear Hamilton, or a, a character from Starsky and Hutch. But uh, and I didn't even look him up. But I the quick research of New England I saw was yeah in '76 they came off like I think a three and eleven season, and they went eleven or whatever eleven and three, and got bounced in a close game by the Raiders. You know so. It, um, so I guess there might be some real pain points associated with the Raiders. So a rare, uh, a rare season out of the blue, it would seem, in which they uh, legitimately competed for supremacy. The Raiders won the Super Bowl that year. They beat the shit out of the Vikings in that year's Super Bowl. So, so for years that that penalty stuck in the craw of all the t- all the Tommies and Quincy over there. And uh, right, in, right, the Raiders probably had something to do with Pat Sullivan. Uh, screaming at uh, Boston native Howie Long, even though he went to Villanova, he grew up in Charlestown, which we learned from Ben Affleck movies, uh, has the most bank robberies uh, per capita of any neighborhood in the country. Um, that that would the, this is remember this crap supposed to be about the Bears. We'll do a quick one here about the Raiders. So uh, Patriots fans really enjoyed the victims of the Tuck Rule game because there's another the one. And they felt like that was the revenge for the phantom roughing the passer. A turning of the tide, perhaps. Yes. Well, of course, Pat Sullivan thought it was a turning of the tide in 85. So those are two examples of the Patriots having the Raiders number. If anything, 
they I mean the Raiders were 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 the elite supreme mm-hmm. in the AFC. Yeah, the Patriots in '76 had to just be like this pain in the ass out of the you know. It's almost as if the Patriots always had the Raiders number there in some sense because Raiders are usually close the deal against a lot of teams. I'm sure that's Didn't, what everybody thought in uh, what was that? 2001 must have been Tuck Rule. That's Tuck is the same day that the Bears uh, got disappointedly uh, defeated by the Eagles because they came home from the game in time to see the Tuck Rule on all the snow. So while they were on their way to the Super Bowl with the great uh, the dynamic Raymond Barry coaching them. Uh, superstar, Greg what, James real, fl- in the real fluky run. Yeah. Uh, apparently, financial uh, the finances of the Sullivans were not so good. Uh, merely uh, a year after the Super Bowl, the Super Bowl, the Super Bowl was in January of '86. In 1987, the bankrupt Sullivan family had to sell the Patriots to a self-made millionaire, a man who awesome. who loves Brennington. Razor so much he bought the company. Victor yeah, Ka- Victor Kayam, a celebrity, right? Mer- millions of Americans knew who the owner was. That's not yeah. that's not normal, right? And a little known. Uh, well, at the time, I'm sure it didn't seem like that big a deal. Um, the Sullivans hung on to beautiful Foxborough Stadium in the deal. They only sold the team, not the stadium. However, wow, they lost the stadium in bankruptcy. And who do you think <laughs> bought the stadium? Was it Victor Kayyem? It was Robert Kraft. Before he owned the Patriots. Long before he, so, well, I guess not long before. Six years before he owned the team, he owned the stadium. He purchased the stadium. That's a long con. I I know we're going to pick through that because that's an interesting period, and I didn't even realize that, how tenuous these these drunken gambling Irish, how were they always like in bankruptcy? They had this asset. Well, it, yeah, it does kind of make stadium. sense, though, right? Because there were a, a bunch of the original owners. I know that the uh, the Sullivans didn't get in until the AFL. Right. A lot of the but families they, that owned NFL football teams, that's how they made all their money. Their the, legacies. The Roonies made their money off the Steelers. The, the Bears Maris. made their money. The, the, the Hallis McCaskies made their money off yes. the Bears. The Sullivans yes. were trying the to make their money off of... Well, yeah, not the, the Fords. Fords. I think they had a sli- they had a side business. <laughs> they were the first. This is a hobby owner. Yeah. yeah okay. Yeah, bad example. And so, if you didn't have, if you had a few down years, yeah, you didn't have any income. It'd be pretty. But the easy. AFL, but the AFL was different. That was more entrepreneurial led, right? Those were like you need some guess, bankroll. But I guess if Lamar you Hunt. if you if you scrap all your your family money together and you buy Maybe a football play. team. Play some golf with the Kennedys and Kenny Bunkport often enough, perhaps work your way up. Because we've talked about it before, I remember this crap that um, the 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 stench on the McCaskies is that they're cheap, and nope, they're not, and, incorrect, and they're not cheap. But nope. they used to be cheap. It's true. It's just not mm-hmm. true anymore. And mm-hmm. they were cheap because they didn't have a. They weren't sitting on two hundred no. million dollars. They were. They had to turn the bears over every year, and the and the grandkids were getting antsy because they didn't see any money out of the team. They wanted to sell. It was for a long time. If Virginia hadn't lived to be a you know, whatever she is now, ninety eight, right? They would have been sold by if now. If she had died twenty years ago, the, that family wouldn't own that team because without her around, the grandkids would have had a coup, mm-hmm. and they would have sold the team so they could all get some cash. 
And the thing that changed it was when it started with Fox, when Fox bought their way in in 94. Is that right? Yes, first first season was 94. All of a sudden, the TV contracts were worth a lot more money. And now they're ridiculous. And now, if you own an NFL football team, whether you were a billionaire before or not, you have a shitload of money. So they have money now. And they're not cheap. They they made Khalil Mack the highest paid defensive player they, in NFL history. Right. And that and that was actually a very they, good move. They overpaid Jay Cutler twice. They're mostly incompetent. So, they're not yeah. cheap. They're just yeah. But you I think a good example of how leverage they used to be was the the Walter Payton forty million dollar contract. They only paid him like a million dollars up front, right? And they had to they had to take some money, put it away, and they would make the interest off the money and Walter is probably Connie's probably still getting paid off that contract. But they didn't have $40 million to give him. So they had a $40 million contract that took like 40 years to finally pay out. Sure. Yeah. But anyway, so the Sullivan's right. lose the team, and uh, they have to sell it, and then they lose the stadium. And after, after 25 years, after being a charter member, and then reaching the summit and getting, you know, my narrative is I like to think the Bears – uh, trashed the Patriots so badly in Super Bowl twenty that the uh, that they were just that they they pushed them into bankruptcy. That's 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 my story because they sold it so soon after. Yeah, but yeah, and and the reference to celebrity because I know we we invariably do have a, a smattering of younger listeners when I say that we all knew who the new owner was because uh, Andy made a reference to uh, buying a company because he liked it so much and. Uh, that's what it was. He basically owned Remington uh, Shave or whatever, the facial the Remington Blades. But he they were the as the they were, they were the the manscaped of manscape of the eighties. It's it's too bad that Manscaped isn't still uh, you know providing sponsorship to our show. It'd be very uh, very you know timely segue. But yeah, just uh, electric razors. He and it was a name brand in the house and but uh, in the household. But Victor Kayam himself, owner, rich guy that bought the company, um, that was his tagline. He himself starred in the commercials. That's what I mean by he was a celebrity. So commercials that would appear, you know, all throughout uh, uh, the days and regular programming. And the catch line was, "I, I like the razor so much, I bought the company." So that guy, who most of America knew through those commercials, was now using the wrong equipment. Try this Remington microscope. Uh, That would be the last one here, right? No, it wasn't much. It wasn't much that happened during his ownership, right? I can't think of anything really, except for uh, his his tight end Zeke Mowat exposing his penis to a uh, reporter, a female reporter, and then Victor basically being like, "Well, she shouldn't have been in the." locker room in the first place. Thanks a lot, Vic. That, that, of course, would be still active Lisa Olson, who I believe lives in Australia now. She was a reporter for, what, the Boston Globe? So I think about 1988. Sounds about right. Um, yeah. Interestingly enough, when this almost makes no sense. Maybe I'll bring it up later. But in 88, the Bears had a rematch with the Patriots. And Doug Flutie, I believe, had already – Flunked out of his experiment as Mike Ditka's lackey resurfaced in Boston with the Patriots and beat the Bears. Speaking of Doug Flutie. What's wrong, Doug? Mr. Kayam, I hate shaving. You're using the wrong equipment. Try this Remington microscreen. The microscreen shaves as close as a blade or your money back. It has two thin, flexible screens. The first shaves in the close, the second even closer. Smooth. Now I know why he bought the company. 
The Remington Microscreen shaves as close as a blade or your money back. No other shaver makes that promise. And the Lady Remington, the gift with the money back guarantee. Going on forever. Wait, I have quick a quick question. They're already playing off the earlier tagline. I like the I like the product so much about the company because Flutie says, "Now I know why you bought the company." Was my question is was he the owner of the Patriots still? Did he ever have to divest himself? Was he still celebrity pitchman owner while he's, uh, you know, absolutely humiliating a female reporter? Well, he only owned the team for three years. Okay. Um. So he sold the team to a St. Louis businessman named Jim Orthwine. And Jim was going to move the Patriots to St. Louis. Ah. Oh, and so what year is this, roughly? You said after three years, so 88. Sold it, or 80, of course, he, 88, swore, 89. he swore up and down that he wasn't going to. And, what, and just for context, the Cardinals had just moved to Phoenix or were about to move in 88-89. Uh, St. Louis Cardinals, originally Chicago, were leaving after three decades in St. Louis. There was a vacancy. So he says he's he's not going to sell the team. He's not going to move the team to St. Louis. Even though he's from St. Louis, he's not going to. He's got the trademark for the St. Louis Stallions. Still not know. I'm not going to move the Patriots there. And um, he hires Bill Parcells to be his head coach. They have the number one overall pick in the draft. They take Drew Bledsoe. At the Bill Parcells, New York Giants defensive coordinator. Oh, Bill Parcells, not Bill Parcells, Bill not Bill Belichick. Bill Parcells hires Parcells. They draft Drew Bledsoe. The NFL basically says, "You're not moving the team to St. Louis." He's like, "Well, okay. fuck it. I'll just sell the team to the guy that owns the damn stadium." So he only owned the team for two seasons. He sold the team to Robert Kraft in 1994. Okay. So to pack that up, because we jumped from like 88 to 93. So he had it for like five years, no. 93. Victor Kaim owned it from 88 to 91, and Jim Orthwine owned it in 92 and 91. Right. Okay. So, boy, they really reached the quick nadir there. Whatever this Orthwine did, he did something right in hiring Parcells. You gotta, I have to say that. Yeah. Uh, and actually drafting Bloodstone was not a bad move, especially considering the other quarterback in that draft was oh. Rick Meyer. Bear, Bear legend, Rick Meyer. Four years, Lonnie, four years Lonnie later. Traded a, Bears traded a first-round pick for Rick Meyer, right? They did, 1997. Hey, it was a first-round pick last year. It'll be a first-round pick again this year. Lonnie well, not four, it was a four-year gap. 93 is when Bledsoe got drafted. Uh, Parcell was well, right. Was Parcell, Parcell stepped down from New York. So here's the, here's the history lesson, kids. After the uh, improbable uh, victory, Super Bowl Thirty, uh, the Giants and Scott Norwood's miss, Parcell retires, Belichick leaves for Cleveland, the Giants hand over the reins to your favorite coach Ray Handley, and yep. they kind of go into the pistol for a little bit. But Parcells only retires briefly and gets, must be talked out of retirement by this guy that you're talking about. So he tells everybody, and this I didn't know, he tells everybody he's not going to move to St. Louis, but it's obvious that he wanted to. Yep. So when push came to shove, he sold the team back. And while that's going on, here's Robert Kraft. I don't know what, do we know what his business was, whatever? He's obviously he wealthy enough to buy his papers. Okay, so. And cheese. No, he's not He's not the cheese craft. <laughs> He owned a city media uh, newspaper, Boston newspaper. No, I, I read it wrong. I believe it's Boston. Paper, I believe paper paper, like, like not newspaper. Oh, right? paper, paper. He's a like paper Thunder magnate. Mifflin? Like yes, exactly. So he's like he's like Kath. Yeah, okay. 
So, so he buys the stadium at some point. There's got to be some back deal negotiation there, right? Like he's uh, he's no dumbass. Why are we, why are you buying a stadium? Especially that stadium, that Foxborough, right? Because eventually you're going to knock it down, which they did. Now Foxborough is where the Tuck Rule happened. It was still a, a, around, uh, but I think it, I think they opened up the new stadium. Gillette, is it what it is? Yes, Gillette Stadium. Around the kind same of ironic, time. don't you think? Right. Wait, I'm a sorry. different Victor Razor company? company. Was it Norelco? Wait, what was Victor Remington? Remington. Not the guns, the razors. I never even, I never even captured that irony before. That's incredible. Um, but around the same time that Soldier Field two opened up in 03, I'm pretty sure that's when Gillette Stadium opened. So, Kraft just buys that. I, I, don't, I, I would love to know more about that whole goings on there. So there's a sort of rendezvous, there's a sort of dosi do uh, Sullivan's or, you know, have to f- give up the team and Ky- Victor Kaim, I feel he was probably either forced to sell it or just didn't feel like dealing with the aggravation. And, uh, and so this other, I mean, I, I, I find it hard to believe that any team embedded in the East coast would actually be plucked out of there, but it must've been a real enough threat for this guy to sell well, it. Ironically, to, uh, I think it was, Pitt. I think that the uh, impetus to move was stadium-related. Foxborough, not only is it a crapple, but apparently there's like one... Bear fans won't uh, ever, ever have to find out about this. There was like one major way in and out of it, and traffic was always a nightmare, and so when they weren't good, nobody would go, because it's like, nope. It sucks. Similarities. Stadium sucks. Scary. I don't want to drive there. Yeah. I'm not yeah. going. And so um, I'm sure that's what ended up, even you know, with their brief flirtation with competence, it's probably the thing that drove the Sullivans into bankruptcy. That and a bunch of drunken Irishmen, so they probably were. Right, right. They probably got nuts. some money in Super Bowl year and just pissed it all away on potatoes. Right. I'm thinking there's got to be a story there regardless. Potatoes but... and Guinness and whatever the hell else we drink and eat. <laughs> but wow, so that's I just uh, just a weird period of time, a kind of a nondescript franchise in here. Uh, and, and, you know, so Parcells sort of restored some legitimacy to them, right? He takes them back to the Super Bowl, their, their second one. They, they made it back to the Super Bowl before the Bears did. So already the indignity there is, uh, uh, you know, is eminent. Um, well, he gets them not only – so there's we, double indignity, right? Patriots beat the Bears back to the Super Bowl, and then they lose to the fucking Packers. It's like, if right, you to go to the Super right. Bowl, you better beat the Packers. And they don't do it. Exactly. Oh, yeah. NBA fans, basketball is back. Tip off the season with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. New customers can make any $5 NBA Moneyline bet and get $200 in free bets if your team wins. In addition to the usual bets, everyone can boost their winnings up to 100% with DraftKings stepped-up same-game parlays. With payouts bigger than ever, DraftKings Sportsbook is the place to go to bet on the NBA. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use code, code, use code, or code, either one's good. Use code pointless. Make any $5 bet this week and get $200 in free bets if your team wins. That's code pointless. Only DraftKings Sportsbook. 21 or older in most eligible states, but age varies by jurisdiction. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. Bonus issued as free bets. One boost per eligible game. Opt-in required. Deposit parlay and wagering restrictions apply. Eligibility and terms at sportsbook.draftkings.com slash basketball term. And that's the Super Bowl that they... They probably win it if they can actually tackle a mediocre punt returner. 
Who was he mediocre? Been, isn't that the, I guess that's the only thing Desmond could do, right? He was like a bust coming out of me. Heisman Trophy winner at Michigan, great player. Right. He's kind of a ick. Has one lucky punt return in the... I guess he had another big punt return in the playoffs, but he was a Super Bowl MVP. Which is nuts. Yeah, he was reborn, Desmond Howard, because it was, what, five years after his ridiculous catch that beat Notre Dame yeah. for the first time in about five years from Elvis Gerbeck and then winning the Heisman, like you said, and and then floundering out. Uh, that was his... Uh, Green Bay was not his original stop. That, that was the last year. Did it's funny because the Browns? Oakland, I thought the Raiders or no, maybe I, I can't yeah, remember. Can he seems like a guy that Al Davis would have mortgaged to everything to get. He does, right? Like because he did. I think that's what it was. In fact, wait, no, maybe I'm getting confused because Davis did go. It did no Jerry. Oh, um, no. Wasn't the Raiders? He got drafted by the Ritz, but well, I call him that because they were the, the Redskins. Fourth, oh, fourth okay. overall pick. Um. In 1992, two. right? The 92 draft. 92 uh, draft. Fourth overall pick. Uh, Steve Eppman went number one. Oh, this was the year that the Colts had the one and two picks in the draft. They took Steve Eppman and Quentin Corriott. Oh, my God. Good job, guys. Face, face palm. It wouldn't matter because it was not Peyton a good, it was was not a good, it wasn't a good seven draft. Seven years later. Uh, Sean Gilbert. Oh, this went, is a, that's the Lions of Spellman for the Bears, I know. Yeah. Then Desmond Howard. Then Terrell Buckley. David Klingler. Oh, my God. Oh, they're all Troy bad. Troy Vincent, Bob Whitfield. Yeah. All these D-backs that are so small, too. Troy, well, Troy Vincent was a good player. But Terrell Buckley, he was a tiny D-back. Yeah, the Bears are the 22nd pick. Oh, because that was coming uh, the 91. Yeah, come on. Okay, there was a 11-5 season. No. Yeah, that was Ditka's last playoff team. I think Alonzo was the, Basically, yeah. It was a, a bust. I don't know who the, who the best player got taken after. It's not much. Well, it might have been Troy Azine by the Bears. No, I guess not. Probably not him. It's got to be somebody. Well, he was the starter. I don't think there is a because they make him. I don't. I don't believe there is a Hall of Famer in the 1992 draft. Would that make it unusual? I guess it would, right? There should yeah. always be at least one. One a year. We're gonna go down here. And somebody's gonna get a steal late. I don't. Well, remember, Patriot quarterback Tom Brady was a six-round pick. Never heard of him. Yeah, it doesn't think there is one. It was just a shit draft. Shit draft. Oh, Dave Brown. That's not went, Dave Brown. Not not Dave Brown from the baseball. Podcast. Not your guy from baseball. No. Right. Uh, Dave Brown, the old New York Giant, was the number one pick of the supplemental draft by the Giants. Wow. Which meant they forfeited for their Dave number Brown. one pick the next year to take the great Dave Brown from where did he go? Duke. I can't tell. I just know he was their quarterback by what, 95. Yes. Just like their current guy. Danny, Is he a Duke? Danny Dimes. Yeah. I believe Daniel Jones also from Duke. They should have known better. So that's the 92 draft. At that point, uh, yeah, the Patriots were 2-14. and 14. That was it. That, that marks a demarcation because you're right. Parcells' is first year in 93 takes him back to the playoffs for only the second time since their embarrassing loss to the Bears and they lose a wild card game. But, you know, that's Bledsoe's in the second season. And then he takes him to that Super Bowl. Two more playoff appearances. But uh, Parcells, actually Parcells retires again. He does, he does it a second time, although he loses the Super Bowl. And uh, and and so he wins the Super Bowl in '90 for the Giants. Retires, comes out of retirement, 
coaches the Patriots, and then uh, retires after losing the Super Bowl, which, by the way, first time since we brought this up last week when the Washington Redskins lost to Illinois grad and uh, Los Angeles Raider Jack Squirek and the LA Raiders. And uh, that would be uh, begin a streak in which the NFC would not lose a Super Bowl until um, this last one where Belichick, uh, I'm sorry, Belichick Parcells uh, is the last AFC team in a run of 13. But once again, he retires and gets replaced by another sort of a nondescript coach at a time, but it's, Right, be sort of become a bit iconic himself. Pete Carroll, he was such a guy back then. Yeah, place it ourselves. It's, it's odd to see him with brown hair, looking very, looking very excited. Well, you remember we broke down the Bears Jets game. Uh, he was the defensive coordinator yeah. on Bruce Coslett's team. So wait, where's uh, Belichick during all? Because Belichick, you know, he's in Cleveland, right? Is that what's going on here? While Parcells, he, Parcells doesn't have, he might have Belichick in 96 uh, rejoin him for the Super Bowl team. But, uh, you know, when Belichick uh, left, you know, they parted ways when Parcells retired, quote unquote, retired after the Giants Super Bowl in 91. And Belichick got his own piece of the thing in Cleveland. Yeah, he came back. He came back in ninety. He came back in ninety six. He was assistant okay. head coach and defensive backs coach. He wasn't technically the defensive coordinator, but I'm sure he was calling the defense. But he doesn't get the job. He gets. I don't know if he's passed over by Pete Carroll, which because his whole thing with the Jets would be a few years later. So right, doesn't he stay on? I don't know what happens to Parcells for a few. You no, know, it's funny. Here, I read but, the. Um, I read the Seth Wickersham book. Which goes into this, and now I don't remember. Um, I he was either the craft. Um, felt like he. Well, I think it was. I actually I think it was this. Craft and Parcells by the end hated each other. They absolutely hated each other. And I think he. I remember that. I think he basically said, "All right, I'm not. I'm going to go outside. I'm going to bring in somebody from the outside." And after two years, he immediately re, he immediately regretted it. But then, so Parcells three goes years. To the Jets. There was the famous um, right away. He went right away to the just so he was also lured away. He didn't go yeah, into retirement like this time. So I I misspoke. He did go into retirement or uh, a sort of strategic retirement after the Giants. He went right from the Patriots to the Jets though. Yeah. After the Super Bowl, yes, he basically quit the Patriots. I think his contract ran out. And he just didn't. And he probably one. took Belichick with him. He right? did. That's when Parcells had the infamous. Uh, if. Um, if you're going to cook the meal, you ought to at least be able to shop for the groceries because he wasn't, he didn't have like general manager powers in New England. He got them with the Jets, and he went. And then, of course, you had the infamous. So there, so now, excited Pete Carroll's running around the sidelines in um, in New England, and Bill, after three years with the Jets, is like fuck this, and he quits. And in the contract that Belichick had, he immediately ascended to head coach. Mm-hmm. He didn't want to be the head coach. And so mm-hmm. he gave, you know, we talk about all the all the great Bill Belichick press conferences where he just mumbles and doesn't say anything. Um, he gave like one press conference as the head coach and was basically didn't wouldn't answer any questions, wouldn't do anything. And he resigned. He wrote, <laughs> he literally wrote his resignation letter on a napkin, and he could, didn't bother to spell everything out. He wrote, "I resign as HC of the NYJ." <laughs> then he talked. Bothered. Then he talked to the media and talked for a half hour about why. He- he was quitting. <laughs> uh, and so... Um, 
Epic. So, uh, so obviously Bob Kraft. Somehow there was a backroom deal, right? Uh, no, there was not a back. There was not a, a a backroom deal. In order to hire Belichick, the um, they had to work out draft pick compensation. That's right. And he Paul got traded. Paul Tagliabue forced the uh, Patriots to give up a first round pick for Bill Belichick. And everybody was like, what right. the, "Why? This was this washout." You know, he's a he good was. he's a good uh, defensive coordinator, but he's already been a bad head coach once. You're gonna have a first round draft pick. Right. You need all that, and it's, he turns out he's the greatest football coach. He turns out to be yeah on the Mount Rushmore of coaches. Twenty years later, so, it, it, it's true though, and that, and it's and and not to make too fine a point on it, it is also funny that he's crossing paths here at, at multiple turns with Pete Carroll, who himself had also been a Jets coach in the, around the same time. And honestly, at that point in time, man, in 1997, 98, 99, Bill, Bill Belichick and Pete Carroll were total interchangeable guys mm-hmm. to like perception, perception wise. Obviously, there was a genius in Belichick that maybe not everyone saw his, his you know, he, he was he was that he was given the opportunity in Cleveland and didn't exactly flame out, but he didn't exactly excel one playoff appearance in five seasons. Um, and. And yeah, and it just seemed like what is going on? Why would like Belichick fuck around like that? He's screwing over the Jets and blah blah blah. And it obviously turned the guy knew exactly what he was. from that point forward. Everything that guy has done has just seemed to be the right move. And the, what some of the irony was, Parcells quit in New England because he he didn't have personnel control. Went three years later, Kraft gave complete personnel control to Belichick, and Belichick hired as the perfunctory general manager. Bill's son-in-law, Bill Parcells' son-in-law, Scott Pioli. His own, his own son-in-law. Oh, I didn't know Scott Pioli was Bill Parcells'. Bill Parcells How did I not know that? Yep. Wow. Okay. Well, and it's also a case of uh, the the student out totally outgrowing the master because Parcells had a Ditka-like sort of legend. He had a he had a bit of a uh, of a status carved out for himself by ninety because he had taken two teams to the Super Bowl. That's a rare thing; yeah. it doesn't happen a lot. Uh, Parcells was on the Mount. He was up there, you know. You know, we would chip away at Ditka through the years, but you know, Bill Walsh and Joe Gibbs and Bill Parcells—that was, you know, we talk about the dominance of the of the, of the NFC in the '80s—and Parcells proved he could replicate it. So he was up there, you know, contemporary, all-time contemporary great coaches. And uh, it's funny again to think how how much distance Bill Bill Belichick would would uh, you know create between him and Parcells. A little bit. A little bit. Yeah, and that's when that's when the whole, you know, the whole gradual perception of that whole damn franchise. So if you we, know, before we get on something else, if you want to circle back to the Desmond uh, Howard thing, so you were he did play for the Raiders. Of course, this was uh, would this have been the year after Larry Smith? Uh, yeah, the MVP of the Super Bowl. So yeah. they kept the, signing. Al Davis kept yeah. signing the MVP of the Super Bowl. And he signed one guy after, returned after a couple he, fumbles. So he signed Desmond Howard. So I was a little off with Desmond's one lucky punt return in 1996. He led. Uh, he led the NFL in punt returns, yards, touchdowns, longest uh, return, and average okay, yards fine. per return. Right. So all right, he had okay, a great year. Fine. Well, he found one thing have. you could do. He spent two years with Oakland, uh, then split a season between um, 
Green Bay and Detroit, and then finished his career with three uh, fabulous seasons in uh, Detroit, where um, he, not far from where he played college ball, but in his career he caught 123 passes. Wow, that's been topped by other probably other Heisman winners in a single season in the NFL. I think was it Michael Michael Thomas has the record I think for most. And it's like it's 122. Oh, so that's not uh, – it would Maybe. be the record. If it could be. Yeah, I know it's gotten up there. Well, we talked about Art Monk last week. I mean, 100 catch seasons were incredibly rare in the 80s, and now – Oh, I was way off. It's, o- it's only rare if you're a Bears. 149. In oh, season. yeah, so it's been blown out. All right. So Desmond Howard's career reception total wouldn't even, lead, wouldn't even be the all-time no. single season. Right However, now. so Desmond Howard's career, uh, 1,597 yards. Make him the third. Uh, he'd be third on the Bears all-time receiving list. Yeah, let's no, make that joke at least once a week. Well, here, but here's what's interesting about the, if you look at the Patriots because that's that's you know that's our opponent this week. That's who we do the deep dive on. Can't they play Desmond outside, I think they could beat him. Outside of Tom Brady, the other two skill positions, which is remarkable, they're franchise players. Are neither of them are from their any of their teams from the last twenty years? And Brady, of course, seventy four fucking thousand yards. One, of, all, them, one of their their all time leading receiver played in a Super Bowl though. He did play the Super Bowl. I already mentioned Stanley Morgan, the insurance firm, or the ten thousand three hundred fifty two yards, basically almost twice the Bears all time. Johnny Johnny Morris, he is. The running back cracks me up though. Yeah, Sam Bam Cunningham is their all-time leading rusher with five thousand four hundred fifty-three yards. That's uh, bear. That's not, that's, not like the, that's the inverse of the Bears' passing futility to have an all-time running back. Uh, Sam was on that seventy-six team, but he only gained eight hundred twenty-four yards. Their all-time leading running back had one season uh, of one thousand yards, and it was barely. He had one thousand and fifteen. In the first of the, oh, I'm sorry, it was the last of the 14 game seasons. But even with the benefit of two more games, old Sam never reached the the heights of a thousand yard season. And that is the Patriots' all time winning rusher. I think this all kind of leads back to Belichick too, in a way. Like, because remember, like he would use guys like Kevin Falk. He would have like Troy Brown going both ways. Like it just like it just the what the ideal coach. He's just utilitarian. He's practical. He's just taking pieces yeah, they, and making. They, they it picked work. Corey Dillon up off the scrap heap and got one got a huge the, year yeah. out of him. Picked up Randy Moss at the end of his career for that undefeated team. Yeah, I mean, um, but from Oakland, where he had just kind of been going through the motions, and he gets to New England and had one of the most ridiculous seasons season. of all time. Yeah. And that includes his rookie year in '98 with Minnesota, which was ridiculous. So yeah, like like they win all these Super Bowls, and yet their all-time leading rushers is the guy who last played when like most of those running backs weren't even born. That if Sam Cunningham had played his whole career for the Bears, he would have been the fifth all-time leading See? rusher for the Bears. In, in your face, behind See, it's not he would have only come in a cool eleven thousand yards behind Walter Payton. Sweetness, yeah. What is it with the Bears again? It's it's uh, Peyton uh, Forte, Anderson, Sayers. No, Rick Casares. Oh yeah, we brought up Rick Casares in almost twice as many games as Gale has. Uh, six hundred more yards. In, it was Casares. Six hundred more yards in in six in fifty three more games. He ran for six hundred more yards it was, than Gale. It was, it was yeah. It was Casares. It was Casares's mark that Peyton broke 
while we watched the Bob Costas Johnny Morris game in '79 that made Peyton the Bears' all-time leading rusher, or it was he was close to breaking it. I think he, you know, sometime thereof. Yeah. But that's uh, and, but and that's that, like eight hundred <laughs> eight thousand yard seasons later, he right. retired. Right. right, exactly. Good point. But yeah, that's uh, that's kind of a fascinating thing with the Patriots. You know, it says a lot about Brady, but it, it says a lot about Belichick. Um, uh, the, here's the question, right? Because Brady's won a Super Bowl without Belichick, and Belichick has struggled. So, you know, where, where does that where does that put the fulcrum? I mean, I mean, I'm ready to hand it to Belichick. It's just one of the, you know, how could you not? Oh, I don't think the great, I mean, great I, quarterback. No great quarterback. Brady was a six-round draft pick. Yeah, I don't, I don't think there's an argument about who was a better coach, Bill Parcells or Bill Belichick. I think the argument is, is Bill Belichick the greatest coach of all time? Well, I didn't mean that. If I misspoke, I might have said Parcells. Oh, you mean like though. would Parcells have won? Could, could I Parcells have won a Super Bowl without Belichick? Is that basically what you're asking? No, I wasn't, but that's a valid question when you, when you think about it because you didn't win anything without him, right? Yeah. But that's the thing. That was because Belichick was a defensive co- uh, defensive coordinator. What makes Belichick incredible is how much he coaches all of it now, right? He, yeah, he's not known for offensive innovation, but he like he doesn't delegate. Like I mean, he does, but well, I know he's got his protege, Josh McDaniels. He's had his guys that come through, but like yeah, I mean, he's I don't know. Uh, Belichick is the rare. Uh, I, I don't think he played college football, right? Didn't he play lacrosse at Williams? I don't think he played college football. Now, his dad was a football coach at the Naval Academy, so he grew up around right. it. Yep. Uh, but he literally could coach, and probably has at some point as an NFL career, he could coach every position on the field. He's just the guy that's like if, if, absolutely And it's happened coach. before, right? Like they had one year they didn't replace, uh, I forget who left. They didn't replace an offensive coordinator. He just coordinated the offense. And that's what I'm saying. That he actually like and like right like now their away. their offense is being run by two by a, by their former special teams coach and their former defensive coordinator, the two bums who recycled back. Joe Judge and uh, Matt Patricia are the offensive coordinators, joint offensive coordinator for the Patriots. I, I guarantee right. you that's you know they're drawing up the game plan and then Bill's taking a red pen to it and then that's right. the one they use. He basically earned his keep. He he paid his bills. He fed his family as a defensive coordinator until he could. Once he was a head coach, it was like he's not going to be defined as like you know Bill Walsh was a head coach, but an offensive you know guru and uh, he just he's so much more than what he what like his ascension brought him to be. He's- we took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. You know, he had Doug Flutie fucking drop to make the first drop kick in 40 years. Yes. Just to I mean, he's like thinking. Just to basically entertain himself. Just he's he, how do you not like that, right? And he's yeah, and he fucking wears hoodies and he's weird and quiet and gruff and, and right. Or reporters talk about the fact like he just well he he had the press conference today. He had a, I've been recording this on Wednesday. He had the, his normal coach's press conference where without notes he goes up every week and he gives a detailed scouting report of the uh, of the opponent for the week. 
and he mentions yes. like 50 or 30 different players and it says only nice things about all of them like they're every team they play is really good basically you're not getting any locker room material out of bill bill's kiss basically tell oh no i mean and he, and 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 he finds a way to be actually right about it. Like he talks about the Bears, you know, a lot of explosive plays. They have like the most explosive plays in the NFL, but they don't ever score on them. And um, he talks about you know Justin Fields and um, you know how they run running plays that he basically or passing plays that he basically turns into running plays, and you've you're defending it like a pass play, and it's a tremendous advantage. He goes on and on about all this stuff. Um, but and, and the reporters get kind of I think bored by it. And he hates to answer like routine football, like week to week routine football questions. Like, if they ask him right. an injury update on a player, he's not going to give him an answer. Well, but then every once in a while, a reporter will ask him some like historical question about the NFL, and he will go on for like fifteen minutes, and he gets well, all excited to talk about it because he loves that <laughs> shit. And he's right. if he ever wanted to do it, he would be a really good announcer. He's never going to want to do it. He's like the Greg Maddox of football. Yes, Greg, the guy who needs to write the book and will never write the book. Right. Belichick will probably never write a book either. Purcell's written like three. Belichick's like, yeah. So even to the point where the NFL, for the 100th anniversary, did their series of shows, the NFL Network, the 100 greatest players in NFL history. It was hosted by Rich Eisen, and it was co-hosted by Bill Belichick. And he, he loved it. Because they went yeah. back to, like, Bronco Nagurski, and he, the, the older the players were, the more he wanted to talk about them. Oh, my God. See, but then they would have, like, they had, like, current players on. and Or, you know, not current players. They had contemporary players on who were on the list. and like Recently retired. One that's really worth watching is they have Ed Reed on. And Bill talks about this play against the Colts where he asks Ed, he's like, I saw this on film. He said, did you intentionally turn the wrong way? And Ed looks at him like, yeah, I did. And he's like, why <laughs> did you do that? He said, because I knew that if Peyton saw my numbers, he would think I was going the other direction. He would throw behind me, and I would just turn around. And they showed the replay of Ed turning the wrong way, baiting Peyton, turn around, just hiding right where the ball's supposed to be and Incredible. intercepting it. And Belichick had wow. seen it on tape the next week getting ready for the Colts. He's like, holy shit, he did it on purpose. And he couldn't and, wait and to re, ask Ed if that's what really happened. Right. And he was all excited Reed, when Ed confirmed and Reed, it. And Reed, and Reed was almost spooked that, like, somebody picked yeah. up on he it. He kind of looked at him like, holy shit, you, you know, you caught you picked uh, up on it. So that was kind of That's awesome. Yeah. Wow. That, that's a, I would say that's a real preponderance of good fortune for the uh, for the citizens of of New England. They don't uh, beginning, In the early, in the early part of the in the early part of the millennium, when the millennium changed after Y2K, they went from just being this forlorn, you know, randomly decent team, whatever. Just nobody gives them a second thought. Packer fans, and then with Bill Packer fans, did Belichick and Vince Lombardi. Right. Patriot fans don't deserve Bill Belichick. Yes, but I think Bears fans yeah. probably deserve uh, Mark Tressman and John Fox. Well, and I guess my question too, I, I was thinking more about Belichick and the the relationship vis-a-vis Brady. Which, oh, is oh, oh, yeah, right. which is an impossible comparison yeah. because there's two different functions. But, like, all right, and, and the fact that Brady has won without Belichick and Belichick hasn't won without Brady, I think is not doesn't really line up. But how about the fact that Brady was a six-round quarterback yeah. that Belichick that went was, with? That right? was the point I was going to make. I You talk about, well, could would Belichick have won a Super Bowl without Brady? I think it's it's highly likely that if Tom Brady had gone anywhere but New England, we wouldn't know who the fuck Tom Brady was. 
Yeah. Like, he would have gone, and he would have, you know, he, like, Belichick liked him right away. Like, made him, like, the backup, like, immediately. Um, we're on a lot of teams. As a, as a rookie, yeah, he's the as backup. A, he now as a even, rookie. I don't even know what he played, but he was, he was, he, at some point during his rookie year, he was, he was taking all the number two reps. And he's like, holy shit, I'm the, I think I'm the backup. <laughs> like, I think I'm going to go in. Um, and then the other thing, it seems so obvious now, but then in the year when they when they went to their first Super Bowl, um, he only gets in because uh, Mo Lewis like crushes Drew Bledsoe's chest, like puts him in the, literally puts him in the hospital. Brady has right. to come in and play, and the Patriots are winning, and they're not winning because Tom Brady is putting up these spectacular numbers. Right, and it comes time Drew's healthy, and Bill's like, now we're sticking with Tom. Right. Because he never so, liked the fact Drew turned the ball over too much for Bill. He didn't like that. He liked, he knew he was a good player and he could do things that Brady couldn't. But he basically made the decision, I just want the guy who's going to make the obvious plays. Because mm-hmm. we can win with that. And he left Not him, the big play. Right. And they left him. And then, of course, by the time... Well, then Drew had a nice moment in the AFC well, remember, right? Game. Brady gets knocked right. out. Drew throws the game when he touched down. Right. Which means you could technically say that Drew Bledsoe has technically led two Patriots yeah. teams to right. Super Bowl. And then well, I didn't, uh, I didn't Belich- remember this. Belichick quashed it. There, there but there no was actual, like, controversy Super Bowl week. Which, which one was going to start? But Belichick, I don't think, ever wavered. No. He finally he? just came out and said, well, it's going to be Tom. If he's healthy yeah. enough to play, he's going to play. And he was still a second-year player that was like, I mean, that was the thing. Bledsoe, Bledsoe kind of lost his original job due to injury, right? Which is say you're not supposed to do, which is bullshit. Yeah, that's- uh, Brady Brady wins games, right? They're winning, they're winning, they're winning. Bledsoe's healthy, Bledsoe's healthy, but they don't stop losing. Here's Brady, the young kid, and he wins the first playoff game, and then in the title game he gets knocked out. Bledsoe brings him across the finish line. So, yeah, it should have been a con- – I, 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 not should have been, but it's not hard to understand why that was maybe controversial. And because you could, it, it, maybe if you're a big – you know, taking the path of least resistance, you might have been like, yeah, well, let's go back to Bledsoe because I can't get criticized. He's more proven and maybe the hot streak for Brady was over. But, no, he went right back to Brady who rewarded his faith in him immediately. So Well, and there and was – even on the – you know, they, they get the ball back – tie game like the Super Bowl yeah a little under two minutes to go I think and Madden's doing the game and Madden's basically getting ready for overtime and they called a couple of relatively safe short passes and they gained yards on both of them and Belichick's like all right we're going one of the great things about there's uh, something I watched on a 30 for 30 I think that I watched on it was um, Brady comes out, and there's a timeout, you know, it's Super Bowl. So before he can go out on the field, we have to, us in America have to watch some, you know, $6 million commercials. They're standing around. And just as he gets ready to go to the huddle, um, and maybe even been Belichick basically said, all right, well, you know, uh, take care of the ball. We'll see if we can get some yards early. And Bledsoe grabs him and goes, fuck it, sling that thing. And sends him really? out on the field. <laughs> like, we're gonna, go win the Super Bowl is basically what Drew tells him. And they, they throw, like, a couple little screen passes, like G.R. Redmond, and he breaks one, and all of a sudden they're like, all right, fine, we're going to get in field goal range. And they get in field goal range, and they they upset, you know, as we know now, sure. Mike Martz was a dope. So that certainly he, helped. True. But Belichick still neutralized. Mark was an engineer of a, a very high-octane high, high octane offense. Well, and part of, their stra- part of the Patriots' strategy in that Super Bowl was to interfere with the – Rams receivers on every play 
basically Bill told them they're not going to call pass interference on every play in this whole game. At some point, they're going to stop calling it. So they basically just grabbed the shit out of the Rams receivers the whole game. Mm-hmm. It wasn't wrong. They weren't going to like they weren't going to let the Super Bowl descend into just you know thirty flags. So they cheated. <laughs> they were cheating. They have a whole history of. But it's not cheating. It's stealing bringing, an edge everywhere that they could. It's doing whatever you can to win. It's you can't you can't fault them. I suppose the, right. The Rams are convinced, win. and it's probably true. Not given what we know now, that the um, the Patriots videotaped their walkthrough the day before because they put, and this is kind of their own fault. Most coaches, most coaches are paranoid assholes and they wouldn't do this. They had put a play in that they did in the, that they ran through in the walkthrough. They'd never run before. And when they went to run it in the Super Bowl, the Patriot, like the defensive back knew it was coming and started yelling. And the Rams were like, holy shit, they know what we're going to try to do. The only way they would have known was to have a spy at the walkthrough. Probably part of what made Belichick so great. He'll so use a lot was made of the fact that um, Nathaniel Hackett, the overmatched head coach in Denver, yes. after one week had hired a guy to be a consultant that sits up in the booth to help him with like timeout management. Which every team should have, yes. by the way, at least a $100,000 salary. And of course, for the, the first team to that. have one was Belichick's Patriots, a guy named Eddie Adams. Of course. And they're also pretty sure Eddie's the guy who would sneak into things and videotape stuff too. But he, <laughs> but he basically is the strategy coach. And um, so David David one. Halberstam wrote a book about Belichick, and the, the big I parts of it are about Eddie Adams because Halberstam was like fascinated by. Jesus, David Halberstam's been dead for like fifteen years. No, that's how so he long, wrote a book I mean, about Belichick early in Belichick's ascension, huh? Yep. I love, I'm a huge fan of Halberstam. I got to read that. Huh. So he's fascinated by Adams because he he couldn't. It took a long time for him to figure out, like, to get people to explain what Eddie does. Like the Patriots were like super secret about it. Yeah, like they wouldn't. Well, you know, it doesn't matter. You know, it's, it's fine. Don't worry about it. But really, one of his big functions is to um, be like Belichick's sounding board. I don't know. If, I don't know if Eddie's even on the staff anymore. He might have finally retired. Um, but during games, Bill could like he had you know he could flip on his headset to the he talked to the offensive coordinator, he talked to the defense coordinator, he had a button he could talk to Eddie because Eddie was up in the press box, and they would talk through situations. Like one of the things Belichick is really good at is most coaches are shit with they don't know when to call their timeouts, right or challenges. Yes, Belichick is really good at using the timeouts before the two minute warning. Like if 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 the Patriots need to get the ball back from you. He won't wait for the warning and then call the timeouts. He calls them because, and college coaches should do it should be mandatory more for college more, coaches. More and more coaches this. are doing this, by the yeah. way, I feel like. Right. Yeah. Because he, his feeling is we can control the clock on offense. We're at the mercy of the other team on defense. So uh-huh. we need to get, just give us as it's much a, time as you possibly can and we'll figure it out. In college, yeah. coaches are finally doing this because in college, it's the clock stops in every first down. Right, like I know. you, you don't need timeouts. If you get a minute, you should be able to go seventy yards at college. If you need a touchdown and you only have a minute, you can get eighty yards without a timeout. So it's without, the, other th- the other thing about the Patriots is they're just they not you know they identify good players. Although he doesn't, he's never been able to draft wide receivers, which is funny. Of course, the Bears well, have one. Nikhil or Harris running back make his debut on Monday. Yeah, he's not been great with drafting skill position players, other than the quarterback. And he picked him as kind of a but even that, Hail Mary at the end of the draft. Even I think then, the he was the sixth round in his first draft. Yeah. 
And um, I just so Mike Riley was the coach, Riley, former San Diego Chargers. He was the coach of the Chargers. Bobby Beathard was the general manager of the Chargers. Riley had known Tom. Riley had tried to recruit Tom to Oregon State. Riley had tried to recruit Tom Brady. Yeah. To Oregon State. So with, he knew him Brady forever. And, and they had kind of like, he'd stayed friendly with the Brady family when Tom was at Michigan. And him and the, him and the old man would commiserate about how um, the Lloyd Carr was fucking Tom over. And basically, sure. when it came time for the draft. Sharing, sharing, sharing snaps with future MLB player Drew Henson. Drew Henson, yeah. Um, before the draft, he had told, Mike Riley had told Tom's dad. Um, it, Tom's dad was like, we're, we're hoping Tom gets drafted. And Mike goes, oh, he's going to get drafted. And he said, well, how do you know that? He said, because if he's still there at the end of the draft, I'm going to take him. As and, what? The new Chargers coach? Yes. He said, I'm going to take uh-huh. him. So he had a deal with Bobby Beathard that at the end of the draft, if Tom Brady was still on the board, they were going to take him. And so the, they had, their pick in the sixth round was before the Patriots. And Mike goes to Bobby Beathard and goes, all right, it's time to take my boy. And Bobby goes, ah, no. He'll be there in the seventh because Bobby really didn't want to take him. He couldn't understand why he wanted to take him. So they drafted some other guy in the sixth round. And then a couple picks later, the Patriots got Tom. And Morelli was pissed because he's like, I don't think he thought, yeah, I was thinking he'd be a superstar, but he's like, he's a real NFL quarterback and we can take him at the end of the draft. At the very worst, we'll have a, like a backup that we'll always be able to use. And you basically just, who I should look up who the guy they picked instead. Yeah. Um, and they didn't do it. And so, um, Riley was apparently like, you know, he's going to be able to play in this league. And he was one of the few guys who was surprised, wasn't surprised, when Tom actually turned into a good quarterback. I Nobody thought he was going to turn into what he did. Well, and, and then, like, you can say, well, like, how did that happen? How did he fall through the cracks? And you can say, well, Lloyd Carr's, uh, Lloyd, Lloyd Carr is a dumbass, but Lloyd Carr won Michigan's only national championship in our lifetime in with, 1997 when Brady Brian and Henson were sophomore. Brian Greasy was his quarterback. So Carr, Carr had a cornucopia of quarterbacks, and we can yeah. laugh about Drew Henson flaming out and also being uh, only one of two people uh, to beat the Bears on Thanksgiving as a Dallas Cowboys quarterback. The other one was the guy that you discovered whose wife was like a porn star or something. Yeah. I can't remember. Um uh, but but anyway, Carr had a cornucopia. I'm not greasy. Well, obviously, stuck and brought frustration up as a bear. But uh, he did. He didn't have an opportunity. He shared snaps with. He literally shared snaps like almost in the, and then the same drives with Henson in college. Right. Um, yeah, Brady kept. Lloyd was in a tough spot. Lloyd's a dick. So the fact he was in a tough spot, nobody's going to feel bad for him. Although his uh, grandson is going to play quarterback at Notre Dame next year, um, which I'm sure <laughs> makes Lloyd really happy. Um, Lloyd Henson was kind of holding him hostage because if Henson didn't play, he was going to, he was going to go play for the Yankees. That's right. And so he had to like kind of figure it out. Um, Tom's last game was in, I think the orange bowl against Alabama. And he had like some ridiculous game. He threw for like 400 yards and whatever. I believe there's, yep. But um, he was, you know, he's, he was slow. Yeah. Uh, you know, it looked, a little, looked a little heavy legged. When you see that picture, the famous picture of him from the combine, he doesn't have any muscles on him at all. Yeah. I mean, you can kind of see what people would be like, this guy? Yeah, whatever. I just, yeah, I just remember when Notre Dame played Michigan in 99. Yeah, that was great. Like, I didn't know either, but they would come in and out, you know, and that's all I knew. And they both, yeah, he just you're right. To, he was basically trying to keep Drew happy and trying to keep the team happy because most of the team wanted Tom to play. 
because they felt like they just they played better when he was the quarterback. And they're like, we want to win. I mean, we don't care about. Think, your, you know, they were smart. They went to Michigan. They figured they they, they were onto something. We don't care about your glamour boy baseball player. We play exactly. the guy over here. We want to win games. So Drew Henson also a six round pick. Uh, but not until 2003 by the Houston Texans. Right, because he went and played baseball for a while and then finally went in the draft. Yeah, and he realized, I can't hit a fucking curveball. And, yeah, okay. So, yeah, so uh, not a lot of experience. Not a lot of experience in college, right? Because he never really was the guy, so he didn't take a lot of hits. It didn't do him any favors either. He didn't really develop the way he should have. Yeah, probably. Who should have gone one of those two? Tom apparently did think about transferring. And if he'd have played now, he'd have transferred. He'd have hopped in the transfer portal. He'd have gone somewhere else. Um, But back then, it was they made it as hard as possible to transfer. If you couldn't transfer within the same conference and have a scholarship, that's why Jeff George had to pay his way to U of I because he transferred. He did pay his way. He He couldn't get a scholarship. I didn't know that. And um, and if you transferred anywhere else, you had to sit out a year. You know, it's the ridiculous rules that they had back then, which. They had until recently, but right. now it's the They're Wild Wild West. You can, I think you could transfer today and play somewhere else, like Saturday. <laughs> Switch sidelines. No, speaking of Notre Dame, they really should go find a quarterback somewhere. Oh my God! Um, <laughs> Stop. You've always got one. Notre Dame should see if they can work out a trade for Tommy DeVito. Yeah, Danny's. Hey, what am I? Hey, Spider, what am I? The pain on mind list? Hey, Spider. No, I'm not all right, Spider. You stutter and prick you. That's all I think of when I hear Tommy DeVito. Um, so, I think we talked about it in the last. So if people are like, you're not talking about the games. We There's another Patriot. or the, There's a Buccaneers many. podcast where we break down all the Brady games. Right. So we don't even have to go yeah. into like the painful. And I'm sure we talked about it then. But you remember when the Bears, this is how much respect the, the, the Patriots and the NFL had for the Bears. Uh, I believe it was. It, I think it was the Trustman game where they gave it fifty points. Do you remember that the 20, Patriots? The field, their their field at beautiful Gillette Stadium was worse than Soldier Field. It was just a shit heap, and they just decided, let's put field turf in for next week. So they did. So the Bears show right. up, and all of a sudden, there's a two weeks ago it was grass, and now it's field turf. Except. Who is the guy? You're gonna to have to uh, help me out. Remember this crap. The guy's name. It's not. It's escaping me now. But uh, while the Bears were down like 42 to nothing at the end of the first half, and Tony Garoppolo may have already been in the game uh, that early, just to get some or reps. Brother Tommy. The Bear, who's the Lamar, Lamar Houston sacked? I yes. think it was Brady sacked him and then did a huge dance, like embarrassingly, like show tries to show everybody up when they're down six touchdowns and then blows out its knee on that very turf. Yep. So maybe it wasn't so perfect. That's true. Well, I'm just saying they basically have no regard for, for the Bears' safety. No. I don't, we right. think the turf will be fine. Give it a shot. It can't be any worse than the shit we had. I can, also, I can just also think not of... worse than the crap you play on. So that was right. before the, that was before the Bermuda grass that they put in now. And right. like they have a beautiful, they have a pristine exactly. field now. It's the greatest. Right. 
Right. But, you know, there were there haven't been a whole lot of games in general. I, the, I, the Super Bowl twenty is one that you hear about all the time. Uh, I was at the game in 1994 when the Bears lost. Uh, it was a very disappointing Juan Stadion team that would go on to win. Uh, the only road playoff, the, only the second road playoff game of our lifetime, but uh, not before losing at home, but getting, uh, but still managing to squeak into the back into the playoffs in 1994. But we lost that day to Drew Bledsoe uh, and the Patriots. That was disappointing. 97, when we were uh, going to a bar to watch the game, and the Patriots were defending uh, yeah. uh, conference champions, and they just ran the Bears off the field. That was no fun. Uh, I mentioned the Flutie game in 88, which is weird that the Bears are still in the thick of their Mike Ditka era, and they managed to lose to a forlorn uh, Victor Kayyem-owned Patriots franchise embroiled in a sex controversy, and uh, Doug Flutie came back home to Boston and lit the Bears up. That was just an anomaly in 1988. That's about it. As a kid, uh, the AFC East faced the NFC Central in 79, the very first year that I was a fan, and I just remember that the Patriots – uh, came into Chicago, so the game was on NBC, not CBS. Two things happened. The Patriots beat the Bears, and uh, that didn't make sense because the Bears went to the playoffs that year, and the Patriots didn't. But that my brother pointed out that the Patriots running back was uh, former Notre Dame star Vegas Ferguson. Oh, yeah. And I was at the Bears-Packers game or Bears-Patriots game in 82, uh, so I didn't see the Patriots uh then during the strike-shortened season, and the Bears beat them. The, so that's it for Bears-Patriots match. The teams sure. have played nine times in the last 34 years. This will be the That's yeah, not a lot. Yeah. How many of the last nine have the Bears won? Oh, fuck. Well, Brady never – they never lost – they never beat Brady until Brady was a Buccaneer, as we've discovered. So you got to go back to before 2000. We already said 97. It's 94. Uh, nine, they didn't play each other in 91, I think. That was the old style. I think New England was so bad that they had to play a fifth-place schedule. Fuck's sake, it's not the Super Bowl, right? No. No. But it's only one. Only once since since the Super Bowl have the Bears beaten the Patriots. December 10th, 2000. 2000? The 4-10 and 10 Bears. They actually, the three and ten Bears beat the four and nine Patriots, twenty-four to seventeen. Um, wow! So Bears touchdowns uh, were scored by Eddie Kennison in a nine-yard pass from Shane Matthews. <laughs> I just did a spit take. James <laughs> James Allen had a sixteen-yard uh, run, and James Allen caught a six-yard pass from Shane Matthews. The uh, Patriots scored with four minutes to go. Uh, Drew Bledsoe to Troy Brown, but it was I not have. enough. The Bears won twenty-four I, to seventeen. Can you believe that that is the one Bears victory over the Bill Belichick New England Patriots? Belichick was in his first year. I have no recollection of that game, and I remember a lot of awful once that Jerron era games. Um, that I can only say that that was in that lull between the Bill Parcells and Bill Belichick era. There, I mean, Bel- Belichick was the coach, yeah. but. They, well, were, they only went 5-11 that first year. Yeah, and Brady would have been on the sideline. So that was a blood so They beat up blood so but they were a bad team that year. I, yeah, Drew was uh, 25 for 46, 225 yards. That, so 46 passes, he only gained 225 yards. Two touchdowns, no picks. Shane that Matthews, game was 22 of 27 for 239. He out-dueled. He out that's uh, fucking he threw for two John Stuber. Wait, what was the date on that? That might have been the first game after uh, Gary Crowton uh, was forced out before the end of the season. Uh, December 10th. Yeah, close Week to 15. it. But, uh, 
Yeah, so John Shoup and Gary Crowton uh, had the offense on that. So there you go. The Bears uh, and Brady was on the other sideline. Uh, that's the Bears' only victory over the Patriots in Super Bowl twenty. Is that a fact? Is that absolutely? Is that is that right, Andy? That's. Uh... How did we not know that? Yes, it is. Wow. Yeah, they, uh, and we don't. And Bears we don't lost remember. the first two games they ever played against the Patriots, nineteen seventy three and nineteen seventy nine. Then they beat the Patriots. Oh, Ditka. Ditka beat them in 82. Yeah. I was at that game. I thought. And then um, they beat them in the Super Bowl 85. season. Right. And also, yeah, they beat them in the week and then two, they beat them in 20 the Super to 7. Yeah, Richard Dent got an interception right at the That's end. That's the, the only half. winning streak they've ever had against the Patriots were those, those three games. That's. I'm, I'm glad we unearthed that. In 2000, wow. Um, Bad. Was that, game, that game was in New England in 2000 or, or Chicago? No, it was, it was in Chicago. In, I have to, fuck. How was I there? Beautiful pre-renovated Soldiers Field. God, I went to so many games back then because nobody wanted to go, and I lived in the city. I don't think I would. I don't think I would have been at that game. Wow, that's that's remarkable. Yeah, this fifty-one thirty-one or fifty. Yeah, the fifty-one thirty-one game, twenty-three, fifty-one twenty-three in twenty fourteen. Peak Trustman era, twenty fourteen. Uh, here's yep. Tom Brady's stat line. 30 for 35, 354 yards, and five touchdowns. That's a team that quit, as good as Brady is. Come on. Jimmy Garoppolo, three for three, 22 yards. He came in later than I thought. I was at the game in 2010 when the Bears actually went to the playoffs with Jay Cutler and became within a whisper of the the Super Bowl uh, in a snowstorm. And the Bears. We we went over this when we did the Buccaneers, but yeah, uh, there was a. I saw Brady. I actually saw Brady in that game in in, in two thousand two in Champaign when he. Uh, I'm not going to relive that because it's too painful, and there's already a record of it on the Bucks podcast. But Brady basically was dead to rights, and the Bears let him off the mat. And that was only that was a young Tom Brady after only his first Super Bowl. That the fifty one um, to three or fifty one twenty three game was thirty eight to seven. At halftime, and that was the week after or the week before when it was like forty-two nothing at halftime against the Packers. Can you can, can you piece together a, just a more uh, humiliating two-week period in Bears history than what you just? That's uh, uh, pretty tough. We, we've talked about both of those weeks. That pretty much ended Trestman's era eighteen months in. So thanks, Patriots. That's peak Patriots there. Bears with their nay there. I think there might have been a buy in between. So Trustman got to rest there up. There was. On both sides of the buy, right. Oh, that was the thing. Jesus. Or yeah. Right. It's so it's going I gotta find this quick. Nothing like Googling things on the It's all right. I'll I'll a couple other loose ends. Uh I had forgotten this or maybe I didn't know who Sam Cunningham was when uh in the eighties when Randall Cunningham was taking off, but I guess I maybe forgotten or did never knew that Sam Patriots all-time leading rusher Sam Cunningham is the brother of uh, eventual uh, Eagles and Vikings quarterback Randall Cunningham. The brother? So, yes, yeah, says yeah. brother. Yeah, I guess. Maybe half brother. I don't know, but like they're, they're it says brother. And and I don't know if Cunningham. That would be interesting if Cunningham was the career passing leader for uh, oh. the Eagles, but he's not. It can't be right. No, it's probably Donovan. All right. So yeah. You, so. What's, what's, so on November, made you November 8th, 2014, Packers were. <laughs> yeah, this is when you when you dig into the trust me, you're going to make that guttural. 42 song. to nothing at halftime. But what made me 
gurgle was Aaron Rodgers' stat line. 18 of 27, 315 yards, six touchdowns. Every three passes, he threw a touchdown. Wow. And that's right on the heels of you reading off the Tom Brady 30 of 35. Just two weeks around that. Well, good to know there are two Hall of Fame quarterbacks. Yeah, you have 11 least. touchdowns to those two in two weeks, and neither one of those guys played the fourth quarter of either game. So, great. I don't, why did they fire Mark Trespin? I don't get it. They never fire a coach after two seasons. I've never done it. Oh, wait, that's right. We were wrong. We were talking about that on the Bears podcast, and Mike Posteri and I both missed it. Yes, as I as I try to edify you before we record it, the Bears have gotten rid of a coach. I've kind of, and we, and we just found out why. The whole Trustman era is kind of. I've kind of blanked on that. Yeah, but now, this but now you just is a football. You just, did a, you just did a deep lie. You just did a deep dive on that bye week bookended. Bye. Were they doing on the bye week? I wonder. Was that the? Was that when he reorganized the locker room and the offensive and defensive guys had to like locker next to each other? Every other guy. That was the thing that happened that year. He wanted the more team I, I spirit. Like, right. I like it when we make fun of other teams, like Pat Sullivan getting punched yes, by Matt much Millen. Much more fun than and, and Victor Kayam being forced to sell the team because he's a colossal dick. Um, yeah, Zeke Mowat. Oh no, that's not what you meant. Zeke Mowat. So that was that was former Giant. Zeke Mowat was in that 1987 Bears Giants game we did, right? He was a Parcells Giant. Oh yeah, I'm right? sure Bill brought him over. Oh wait a second! Wait a second! That's a different episode then than the Lisa Olson, right? That Lisa Olson hit, or no? May you're right. I got it mixed up. It was around the end of the Victor. Kyan no, that's era, not so. right. No, it was pre. Right, Zeke must have preceded Bill, because we found out Jim Ortwine is the one who hired Bill. So Zeke yeah, was there on his own. Right. Can't blame I, that on Parcells. That was a Dick no, no, McPherson. No. Well, Dick McPherson. Zeke was just you know doing what he heard. Wait a second, the coach. Yeah, the, old the guy movie, the old that guy? was the. The Syracuse, the old Syracuse uh, guy who had yeah, who, whose quarterback who was, was the not, black guy named not McPherson. Related, not, yeah. not related to the quarterback who was a supposed Heisman. What was his name? Oh, McPherson. Dick McPherson. Donovan McPherson. No, that was Donovan McNabb. Another quarterback. Guys. <laughs> Dick McPherson. I totally forgot. He was, so he was a. They didn't spell it the same way. Okay. Right. There's an right. A one, in one Dick, and there's no A in Don. Right. What? Yeah, trust me. Last names. Okay. Uh, yeah, <laughs> Patriots have had some some great coaches though over the years. Um, well, you mentioned you started with Ray Barry, who took him to the Super Bowl, but it would otherwise be forgotten. Their first coach, no relation, Lou Saban. No relation to Nick Saban, right? Who would go on to have some success uh, with the Buffalo Bills? I actually, about this, I actually knew a guy who played for Lou. In both Buffalo and Boston, his name was Bill Zavadil. He was a head coach uh, in Ro- at a high school in Rockford, and was assistant okay. coach at Rock Valley College. And he was a great guy. And he would, you could occasionally get him to tell old AFL stories. He was played linebacker, and he had the nose to prove it. His nose went like sideways. He was a really cool guy. Love it, love it. Uh, so Lou was the coach, for, the first coach of the Boston Patriots. Only lasted two seasons. Only won seven games. And then the great Mike Holovac, coached for eight years, won 52 games in eight years. Then uh, future Hall of Famer Clive Rush. No, nope. don't know him. Don't know Five him. and sixteen. Hall of Famer John Mazur. 
Now, Andy nope. Mazur's uh, dad, I think. Uh, right. Two years. Then a guy more famous for, he, well, he's an interim. Oh, we love interims. They had an interim coach well, we in 72. He is most famous for replacing Vince Lombardi in Green Bay. Phil Bankston? Phil Bankston. Uh, we do love our interim coaches, by the way. Still Chuck lo- Fairbanks. Lo- long, longing for the day. So he's the guy that took him to the playoffs. I did my, my half-ass research. I yeah. saw that out of the blue, that 76 Yeah, he was right there. Now. Mike Holovac had a winning record, 52-49, and 49, and nine ties. And of course, we love – they used to tie all the time. NFL right, – they no. were like European soccer teams. They used to tie all the time. Um. Chuck Fairbanks had a winning record, 46 and 39. Then Ron Earhart. Early days for him. us. He was like I a think... cowboy offensive coordinator, maybe the Rams. And yeah. One of those guys that Madden would talk about. Oh, he's a great offensive coordinator. Okay. Right. Shitty head coach. Then, uh, fleeing from scandal in um, the, the snowstorm. At SMU. Oh. Ron Meyer. Who was same the, guy. The pony. Yeah, yeah. same guy. The Pony Express had uh, everyone. The, the NCAA had found out that he was paying everybody. So that him, was after, though, right? After he was Patriots coach. You're talking about what what got SMU the death penalty, right? Yeah, Isn't that Ron Meyer. But so yeah. he went from he went from there too. Maybe he did because I think so. I think so. Oh, yeah. So I'm trying to think of the. Yeah, I guess I could be right. I have looked Dickerson, that up. Maybe he was a rookie in '84. Well, they wouldn't have crossed yeah. the pass. Let's see. Eric Dickerson, a rookie in '83. He was. So Ron and was. I think Ron Meyer was first at New England. And then, uh, let's see, he's been dead since 2017, by the way. Uh, January 70s. No, you're right. Well, he was not there for the scandal. So maybe that's a conflation. He was hired well, I mean, in 76 the, the, at SMU. The scandal was him. Well, he's the one. Well, he got out of He bolted for the NFL before the shit hit the fan. But he's the one that set up the cash payments and all that stuff. I don't know if he set it up. It all happened when he was there, and he knew it was going on, and he got the fuck out of there. Which is interesting because while that while he's already the Pony Express, so he's already sowed the seeds for one of the most corrupt college football programs, which is saying a lot. And while that's taking root, he jumps to the NFL, where in a very memorable uh, act of shenanigans against an iconic coach across the sideline and Don Shula in Foxborough, the aforementioned shitty Foxborough Stadium during a New England snowstorm late in the game against the Dolphins. He brings out an ex-con who uh, was employed by the grounds crew to bring out a Zamboni-like snowplow to only carve out the part of the field where place kicker John Smith, born in England, was about to kick a game-ending field goal amidst the otherwise blizzard. And, uh, And he did. Shula cried foul, probably rightfully so. Uh, and the fact that Ron Meyer, the same guy who'd already sort of planted the seeds for what would become the most disgraced college football program, probably in history, uh, was absolutely cheating his way from Don Shulis out. I want to go out on a limb and say Ron Meyer, not a yeah, great guy. Right. So Ron, um, the guy that he, in the snowstorm, it was zero, a scoreless game. Late oh, scoreless. Quarter. Yeah, nobody could move the fucking yeah. ball. It was a... Yeah. And like he called timeout because um, John Smith was going to come out and kick a field goal. He motioned to work release snowplow operator Mark Henderson. Mark said, I saw Coach Meyer running to me, shouting and pointing to the field. I kind of knew what he was trying to say, so I got on the tractor and I drove onto the Unreal. field. 
Unreal. Said at first, no one had thought it suspicious, assuming the plot would go straight across and allow for more accurate measurement. Because, oh, I, they were... <laughs> They were measuring to see if it was the first down, and he veered and uh, went directly in front of uh, in front of the goalpost with a four foot wide spinning brush, giving Smith a clean spot from which to kick. Matt yep. Cavanaugh, future Bears oh, offensive coordinator, two, future two time Bear offensive coordinator, held for the kick, which was successful. <laughs> Dolphins had like one last chance, but uh, linebacker Don Blackman intercepted David Woodley to clinch the win for the Patriots. I love that the head coach himself is just like making that, not even like a stadium operations guy or an assistant. So, yeah, you're right though. Right, the timeline adds up. So Meyer, it was, it, 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 it takes a long time to bring down a college football yeah. program. So, and then the yeah, timing he makes sense there. then that um, Craig, you know, he would have he would have drafted Craig James. Greg, Craig was still there to play for Raymond Barry and the Super Bowl. Yep. Yep. Um, Along with Stanley Morgan and Tony Eason and so Steve. So Ron Perlman. Meyer had a winning record, eighteen and fifteen, and then they oh, they canned him. him. They hired Raymond Barry. He went forty eight and thirty nine. Took him the Super Bowl. Uh, yeah. he, he retired after the eighty nine season, and they hired a longtime, good name, defensive uh, co- coordinator Rod Rust. Oh yeah, Rod did some uh, did really good work for them. Uh, they went one and fifteen in nineteen eighty. Oh. That's a shame. That's when they brought in Dick McPherson, fresh off of. Uh, this is probably. I don't know. This is either right after he had success in Syracuse or right before, probably after. Right I'm after. Sure. Yeah. They had a really good team with Don McPherson. You yep. said it. It spelled differently. Uh, Syracuse was briefly on the national radar uh, in the late 80s. So, yeah, he, he basically propelled. He hitched his wagon to his own star there. Uh, the best thing that he, that Don, that Dick McPherson did for in his uh, two seasons as head coach was have a bad enough record that Bill Parcells could draft Drew Bledsoe. Dick went eight. Was, wait, so wait, Dick, Mc, you know, you know, Dick McPherson for, for Parcells. He's the last coach before Parcells. Yeah. That okay, got it. So his teams were bad. Wow. They got the number one pick. They took Drew. Bill, Bill went 32-32 and 32 in his three seasons. That's two seasons. No, it's three seasons. Eight, 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 eight. Four seasons. I can't do math. Four seasons for Parcells. Then we get the, yeah. the, we get the three years yeah. of Pete Carroll. And then it's been Belichick ever since. 27-21 and a playoff appearance. And then Bill Belichick, who, as we all know, it's undisputed, uh, is uh, has tied Papa Bear, George Hallis, Let's bring uh, it full circle in the NFL. Yep, and that includes playoffs. It does. We will not be. We will not begrudge the fact that Bill Belichick has many more opportunities in the yeah. playoffs. Now and the fact that even if he didn't, uh, eventually he would catch George anyway, because he does not appear yeah. to be retiring anytime soon. Well, and Don Shula caught him anyway, so that's yeah. fine. And I you know we've we've spent a good chunk of time just validating. Uh, Belichick's legitimacy anyway. So, so if anybody, this isn't like Yachty or Molina running down some record. Like if anyone's going to run down like a pop of hat bear house, at least it's not somebody that took angles or it's ill gotten somehow. I mean, obviously wins is a pretty concrete uh, defining, you know, but it's, we just look at just how he's operated. He didn't uh, have to do it with Bob Evelini and Mike Phipps. And- well, yeah. Hey, George Hallis had Sid Luckman, my that's friend. True. That's true, he did. But he also won championships. You know, he won games with you know, 
Nagurski and Grange. But yeah, so kudos. I, I I'm not gonna yeah. We should all act like Roger Maris's son and somehow yeah. somehow pretend Protest. that Belichick exceeded. Cheated. Yeah. He's a cheater. Uh, no, these don't count. Right. You could say that if you were a he petty could. man, and he does, but I, I I think you and I are both of the mindset that hey, it's sports, man. It's about winning. I mean, there's an ethic at some level, but like videotaping, if you're not going to get caught, I don't know. I mean, yeah, I'm not going to get too indignant about that. So, right? I mean, yeah. Do you think you could ingratiate yourself to uh, Belichick at the press conference? Say they win on Monday, a long shot, the Patriots beating them. Right, right. Juggernaut Bears. And you go, Coach, um, how how excited are you to have tied the record of one of only two Bears head coaches to ever win a road playoff game? No, one of three, because Ditka won a road playoff game. Oh, that's right. Ditka won a road playoff game. One of three. And And can you name the other two? And he would immediately go, of course. Mike Ditka right. and Dave Watson. I would actually start out because when I was when I had begun to uh, do my half-assed back of the envelope last-minute research on the Patriots before we started tonight, and I pulled up Pro Football Reference, I saw that Charlie Trippy died, lived to be a hundred. Uh, he was, uh, of course, on the 1947 Chicago Cardinals, the only NFL. Uh, championship games that the Cardinals would win in Chicago. So I would begin with that. Coach, you're probably familiar with the fact that Charlie Trippi died. And I'm sure he'd have a story. <laughs> Actually, he was. Do you, so, I should know this. Is Hells the only Bear coach to win more than one road playoff game? Has to be, right? Because Dick yeah, only, only won, won the one in one. Washington. Yeah. And he would have only, and, and oddly enough, oh, we should have brought it up last week, but both of the, he wouldn't he actually, the Redskins beat the Bears in both championship games played at Wrigley Field, and the Bears beat the Redskins in both championship games played in Washington. I think Hallis only won two road games, so just barely. This, this franchise has only been around for 102 yeah. years. That's a lot of great road playoff success they've got. Four yeah. wins ever. Ever. I'm pretty sure it is. I can do some some digging, but it wouldn't be much more than that, four or five. There have been – was it the Redskins? Somebody had to win three road playoff games to get to a Super Bowl. The Bears have only won four ever. Right. <sighs> Jesus. Yep. What a great franchise we have. And again – there's competition for the Bears to even be included in the top 10 most laughable franchise in the oh, last yeah. 40 years. Yeah. Oh, which yeah. is remarkable. You could find a lot of poorly run. Which I just, hope, I just hope the assholes in New England can appreciate what they have. Cause that's exceedingly they rare. They're, they're massive. It's they like what we had. It's like, what, it's like what we had in 85 when we fucking curb stomped those pricks and they had nothing going on before or for ten years since. It's like times six what they have now. They've had it for they've had that for twenty one years now. It's ridiculous. Well, not now. I guess it's it's. I mean, it's old, right? The bloom might be off the rose, but you never know. So they had it for like eighteen years. Them. Pretty good run, and they're still they're still like not a shitty team. No, they're they might not. Be mediocre. So, yeah, I mean that's I mean that's the hallmark of Belichick, right? Is that the last few years they've started poorly, and then he just kind of figures it out. Right, and they're not a so that, to go to the Super Bowl, but by the end of the year, they have a good team because they're like, "Ah, we figured right. out how to maximize." He's the, just a, one of the greatest goddamn, if not the greatest goddamn coach of all time. So, I mean, I think you know. no better example of that than them beating the Bills last year. 
Remember that? And the only, that was I think pretty Mac cool. Jones only threw two passes, right? Because it was so windy. Yeah. So it's like, fuck it, we don't need yeah. to throw. What do you need to throw for? We'll just win without it. And they did. So. Yeah. So there's that takeaway. And then the other thing I learned is that the Bears have only beaten the, pa- the Patriots once since Super Bowl twenty in a game in which uh, n- neither of us have any remote. Right. Right. It, and it happened in Chicago. I'm not even so. sure it happened. Right. It's just like tale of two different eras. The only I reason I know I watched it is I I don't remember the last Bear game I didn't watch. So I'm sure that I'm gonna go I'm gonna I'm gonna go look that one up when we're done. That's what I'm gonna do, Andy. You're gonna look for the last Bear game you didn't watch or you're gonna go find that game and I'm, watch I'm, it? I'm gonna find that uh, Ugh, why would well, you do that? There there I have my reasons. Well I mean Shane Matthews did play pretty well. Sure did. Oh man, yeah, for some 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 late Geron, some mid Geron era for Bears football. That'll do it. All right. Well, I think that's enough for the. I think we've had enough. I, can, I don't think there are any stones unturned. So that'll do it for. If I could figure out how to turn this off, people are like, "Stop it! Just make it stop!" Right. All right. Well, thanks, Mike. Yeah. I enjoyed it. That went a lot longer than I thought. Because like you said, we... Many of us have herpes. I just wanted this to be over.